Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Live uh, from the field yeah. here at Chase Field. Happy opening day, everybody, for Diamondbacks team. It's 3-3 three and three going into their home opener. Happy opening day, Gambo. Yeah, nothing gets better. Just being here and uh, I told you as we're walking in, me and you, it's, this is this is my happy place. Like, this is my happy place. Uh, this makes me happy to be here for opening day. Me and you have been here for every single opening day except the year of the pandemic. That's the only one. When we weren't allowed. Yeah, that's the only one. Yeah. We should have snuck in. I remember 25 years ago when they opened this building, I was doing morning radio for a, for a different radio station. And I, I mean, I was in here like at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was sitting in all the seats in the upper deck. And I was putting my feet in the pool. I like had the place all to myself because I was in here all alone. Uh, yeah, it's the only one I've missed. It's, I was looking around thinking to myself, I mean, look, there, there are certainly nicer ballparks in Major League Baseball, but this is truly the only one I've ever known, and so it's just very comfortable here. I, I just, I'm very, I sit here, and they're nicer. I mean, make no mistake about it, but I love this place. It's just, Me too. It, I love it. I really Me do. Too. I got a lot of fond memories of being here, and I remember when Ash was was, uh, was reporting for us way back in the early years, and Mark McGuire was here, and he actually came out and did batting practice. I don't know if you remember that. Mark McGuire batting practice, and he and he hit one or two out of the building, and it was just like everybody was just tiled in for Mark McGuire's batting practice that year with the home runs. I was actually here that day as a fan. We, you were? We were season ticket holder. We had our yeah. season tickets out in left field that we shared with about eight other people, and I was here that day, and I watched him hit one through that Fry's panel. That right was there. it, right through that, the panel. Right, right. Through that, right through that Fry's panel, right. just to the left of the Jumbotron area. Everybody lost their mind. And I thought, holy crap, I've never seen anybody hit a ball like that. What's he on, steroids? Oh, uh, yes, he was. <laughs> He was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so happy opening day. D-backs and the Dodgers. In fact, I think we all know what our top story of the day is, so let's get into it here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. It is the home opener for the Diamondbacks. They are taking on DLA Dodgers. It will be a packed house here tonight, 48,000-plus. And given that the Diamondbacks have already played six games, Gambo, we've already gotten a little sample of Diamondbacks baseball yeah. so far in 2023, and I think we've all liked what we've seen. It is going to be fun to watch all year long. I mean, the way they won the game the other day, winning rally in the eighth inning, single, stolen base, ground out to advance the runner, safety squeeze, stolen base, single, throwing error on a pickoff attempt, walk, Single, sack fly, double steal, including home. Four runs, four steals, three singles, two productive outs, no extra base hits, no home runs. Just incredible to be able to see a team play like that. The pressure that they put on defenses, the pitchers, and you know their, their ability to steal bases. What, the 9 out of 10 so far this year? Mm-hmm. 9 out of 10. We talked about stolen bases being up. But this team, the speed of this team, the rule changes that, that, that are helping them because the pitcher can't throw over 10 times to try to keep the runner close. Diamondbacks are going to take advantage of that all year long, and that's going to make for an exciting brand of baseball. I'll be really curious to see. Okay, we're six games in. And much like a football game 
where a football game, like uh, an offense is out there on the field and they're doing something. They're, they're running a certain kind of play and the defensive coordinator kind of like picks up on it. There's an adjustment to be made, right? Like you're, you're trying to figure out what play they're calling and you try to get ahead of it a little bit. I will be curious, once all of baseball gets used to the rules changes, what sort of adjustments are made to the Diamondbacks, right? Like what, what do other teams do? Okay, because Tory, I, I heard him say a couple days ago after the Padres win that, look, we deliberately didn't do this stuff in spring. We, we were trying to keep this stuff kind of on the down low, and we didn't yes. want anyone to know what we were working on. Once the tape is out on the Diamondbacks and other opposing teams see it, I do wonder what adjustment is coming and what counter-adjustment yeah. will come for the Diamondbacks, because eventually teams will kind of figure out what the Diamondbacks are trying to do. But I don't know there. if they can stop it. I don't know if it's, I, I, I don't know if they can it, it's You know why we talk about the, the great equalizer in basketball is the three-point shot? Mm-hmm. It's almost like the stolen base may become the great equalizer in baseball. Let me give you an example. The three youngest teams in baseball, the three youngest teams are the, are the Orioles, the Rays, and the Guardians. Not the Diamondbacks, but the Orioles, the Rays, and the Guardians. They're 22 out of 23 in stolen bases. Arizona's one of the top 10 youngest teams. Nine steals and 10 tries. So when you limit the amount of pickoffs, bigger bases, it's designed to encourage stolen bases. And it's really working. I mean, the stolen base success rate is 84%. But some teams don't have those guys. They don't have Jake McCarthy. They don't have Corbin Carroll. They don't have Kittel Marte. They don't have the speed, Lewis, that the Diamondbacks have. So if you don't have that speed, it's like not having a three-point shooter. The Diamondbacks have a bunch of three-point shooters. Guys that can steal bases. Some teams don't have that. Older teams, they don't have that. So they may not be able to, you know, so the Diamondbacks might be able to stay in games and win games that way where other teams can't. We'll see. I I suspect there'll be some sort of adjustment made to what the Diamondbacks are going to do out there in terms of the speed game that they're playing and how that works. But we'll see what the Diamondbacks, if they're they're able to do what they've done the first week and spread that out over the entire season, good on them. And they certainly have the roster that they'd be able to do that with if they wanted to. I mean, they come in here three and three, the Diamondbacks do. We all know what happened that opening weekend against LA. They got outscored 20 to 7. They hit a buck 97 as a team. Uh, The two games they won, it was just like perfect small ball kind of games. The Padres series, it was just a two-gamer, and they got the two-game split. They probably should have swept that series, really. I mean, they, they well, won the first after one after the Longoria home run, they had a chance to, to win both of those games until McGuff wasn't able to hold on to the save in the ninth inning of the first one. And the Diamondbacks down 5-1 in the second one. It would be, look, I, I don't I don't know if this is going to be the year the Diamondbacks contend for the wild card. I think they're going to be within a few games of the cutoff line when we go into September. And that's probably going to be good enough for this year. I imagine most people are looking at next year as the year for the Diamondbacks, where we're really talking about the postseason. But it really is fun watching some of the seeds get planted right now, right? It really is fun seeing some of the... Considering that two of the biggest parts might not even be here yet. Jordan Lawler, who we might see by the end of the year, the shortstop of the future. Jones. Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones' kid, who is already one of the top prospects in baseball. I mean, two of the main guys as part of this renaissance, they're not even with the club 
right now for goodness sakes. Yeah, I mean, he's just, a, I mean, Drew Jones is just a kid. Torn labrum, non-throwing shoulder, so kind of delayed his debut last year. Uh, was injured during batting practice right after he became the number two pick in the draft. Uh, but the ability for him to rise through the ranks, I mean, he could go quickly. Like, he has the ability to go quickly through these ranks. So, low A, Vesalia. Um, so that's where I think he's going to be this year. And then we'll see. I mean, he's not going to be in the majors this year. But could he get an invite late next year? I mean, de- depending. I mean, depending on how he does, it's possible. And then, of course, there's all the changes that Major League Baseball have made, which so far, if you're Rob Manfred, you're pouring yourself a celebratory cocktail right now. And, and you won. And you, you won. You won. Rob Manfred won. Uh, I mean, he. this is what he wanted. This is what he pushed for. I know we're just six games into this experiment. But so far, it has been, if if achieving the desired goal was the goal, baseball is won. Rob Manfred is won. These games are shorter. They're crisper. There's less time in between pitches. There's more action on the field. There's more stolen bases. There's more hits. We're seeing more hits out of lefties. We're seeing more balls being put into play. Mm-hmm. It's it's so far it is a resounding success for Major League Baseball. What you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of the older pitchers struggle. I mean, pitchers age 36 and over last year had an ERA of 3.60, um, and now this year it's 5.12. So you're seeing these older pitchers who have to throw a lot of pitches in a short amount of time, and they're not used to that. They're struggling. So you're seeing that with older pitchers where younger pitchers seem to be doing a little bit better. So I think that's going to be an adjustment to keep your eye on, too, because the pace of the game is so much quicker. How does that affect an older pitcher who didn't have the time to settle down? Again, ERA 3.60 last year, 5.12 so far this year for pitchers 36 and older. Yeah, and it's funny. Zach Gallen obviously doesn't qualify as one of those, but we saw him on opening day a week ago uh, in L.A., and he commented after the game he struggled with that, you know, that he that it was it was going fast out there, and he didn't have the opportunity to control it. He didn't have the opportunity to step off the mound, slow things down a little bit, control the pace of the game. The pace of the game is being dictated by a clock out there in center field, a clock right behind home plate. Yeah. The pitcher can't control it anymore, and that changes things. And I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I know me, you're going to the game tonight. I'm going to the game tonight. My family's coming. We got tickets. I'm going to be able to tell a lot more watching the game here than at home. Because when you're here, you're used to being able to have a conversation, you know, in between, or go mm-hmm. get a go get a hot dog, or go to the restroom. I really want to see how the pace of the game is affected when you're sitting in the stands, and it's going so quickly, and you're not used to that because our whole lives we've never been used to a fast-paced baseball game, and now we're going to have to get used to it. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we turn our attention to what's going on across the street. The Phoenix Suns, three games left in the regular season. The fourth seed is locked up. There are opponent tonight has locked up the number one seed in the West. So who the heck's going to play tonight? That's next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Downtown Phoenix is going to be the the place to be tonight. Opening day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They take on the Dodgers tonight at 7:10. 
And then right across the way, one of two regular season home games left for the Phoenix Suns as they take on the Denver Nuggets tonight. They're at the Lakers tomorrow. Then they close out the season against the L.A. Clippers on Sunday. And the question now, Gambo, which we don't know the answer to yet, but we can tell everybody, all five starters for the Denver Nuggets tonight are being listed as questionable. Memphis lost last night. The Denver Nuggets clinched the number one seed. There's nothing for them to play for. Jokic has calf tightness that he's been dealing with. Jamal Murray screwed up his thumb. Um, There's a real question as to who exactly we're going to see tonight from both sides. Certainly for the Nuggets, I think, is really the the kind of pertinent conversation right now. Yeah, and I think for the Nuggets, I mean, you could sit there and say, okay, and you don't have anything to play for, but they actually do have something to play for. they got to get that mojo back, Burnsy. Like, they've been really, really struggling and not playing uh, good basketball right now. So for them, it's about, you know, and I know that they, you know, they've got it clinched and they might be able to just ride this, you know, into the playoffs. But you're talking about a team that is really, really struggling. That they, you know, they, they're seven and eight in the past six weeks. Mm-hmm. Seven wins and eight losses. Like, they're not playing well. So for them, I wonder, you know, look, that's not a slump. That's 15 games of not playing good basketball. The only good game they had in there was, I think, they beat Milwaukee. But other than that, they're not playing well. You know, you would think that, the, that Malone would want to get them on track before the playoffs in some of these games. Now, maybe it's not the one here against the Suns, but with their three games left, you got to figure out, they got to come out and try to figure out what's wrong with that basketball team. But at what cost, right? Like, okay, your star player has tightness in his calf. Your second best player, third best player, depending on how you're ranking them, has a thumb injury. I, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, maybe I, take today. It just said one of the three. I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and what the Nuggets are going through, honestly, is kind of a familiar story, because I feel like in some ways we went through this last year with the Suns. You're playing at this very high level all year long, and then at the end, whether you intend to or not, whether you mean to or not, you kind of subconsciously let your foot off the gas a little bit, right? You you, you just kind of start to coast a little bit, because you know. You know you're going to be the number one seed, and you know you're going to get it. I, I have to go back and look at the Suns' record over the last two weeks of the regular season last year. I don't think it was great. I, I mean, I think I think there was, there was very much a, okay, we got this, let's back off a little bit. And again, maybe not intentional, but you know, almost subconsciously that happened to them, and it feels like the Nuggets are doing the same thing. Now, Michael Malone's trying to stave that off, but if Nikola Jokic is dealing with calf tie, I'll let's put the shoe on the other foot. He can't play. If Kevin Durant were suffering from calf tightness and there were three games left for the Suns, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't want him out there. Right. I don't care what rhythm right. you've got to establish. I don't care what you're trying to accomplish. I don't want him anywhere near that basketball court. I suspect the Nuggets are going to feel the same way about Jokic. I get what you're saying. I really do, but yeah. you got to be careful here. No, I get it. I mean, I totally get it. You're just you're talking about a team that is, I mean, they could be a one-and-done team in the, in the playoffs. I mean, they could be one-and-done. The number one seed, they fight, you fight so hard for your place, and then you'll lose it like that. I mean, like, it's I mean, it's not, it's not as bad what happened to the Suns last year, but when the Suns lost to the Mavericks, we devastated. Yes. Like, you got home court advantage. You're the best record in the NBA. You know, you were just really worried about the Warriors. Nobody was thinking Dallas was going to beat you. Denver's got to be thinking that anybody could beat them. Like, whoever gets them. And if I'm a team, I would rather play Denver right now, maybe even over Memphis and Sacramento, with how with the injuries, with how poorly they're playing, and just you know, six weeks of bad basketball. Can you get that corrected in the next few days before the you know before the playoffs start? I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at the Suns' schedule from yeah. Okay, I I remembered it. They went two and five, two and four in their last six games. 
not quite as dramatic as what the Nuggets are going through, but the Suns, with basically two weeks to go in the regular season, a week and a half to go in the regular season, they were sitting at 62-14. and 14. They only won two games the rest of the way. Yeah. And, and part of that was, you know, rest. Part of that was guys didn't play. And part of that, too, was I think it's, you just kind of ease up. You just, you just kind of let go. Now, the Suns, they're in a different boat. They've clinched everything. There's nothing left for them to accomplish. Monty Williams talked yesterday after practice. James Jones talked with us late yesterday during our show about kind of how they're going to play it. Nobody really knows for sure. They're talking about maybe not playing guys or trying to figure out how to do things. I suspect, it's just a guess, that they'll play their guys tonight. And since tomorrow night is the second night of a back-to-back, you'll see either drastically reduced minutes or guys who don't play tomorrow against the Lakers. Right. And then on Sunday, maybe you'll see your guys for 20 minutes, under 25 minutes, just enough to get a nice sweat in, right? Just enough like to keep the their... third preseason game of football? Uh, yeah, that's a good comp. Mm. Yeah, like the third preseason, or what used to be the third preseason game in football, right? What like, used to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, just enough to make you feel like you played and then go, okay, we're done. I bet that's what we see. Could be wrong. I, I wouldn't go against that. I mean, at some point, they're going to give these guys, they're not going to play. Look, here's what we here's what I highly doubt's gonna happen. I highly doubt they're gonna play their starters all three of these games and get in all like normal minutes. I doubt that's gonna happen. With a back to back and with nothing to play for, you've locked up the four C, you're just trying to get to the finish line healthy, and so you may try to you know, that might be the priority for them right now. Uh, Monty Williams, quote we're talking about it as a staff. We haven't talked about it with the guys just yet. We feel like there are some things that need to play out first. We feel like we have a decent idea of what we're trying to do with certain groups and certain combinations. The more games you play and work on that stuff, the better. But, and he brings up a good point. He says, I'm always confused by the conditioning. Or like, we want our guys to stay in shape, but to what end? After we play on Sunday, we're not going to play again for another week. You know, like, like what conditioning? We're going to lose our conditioning. We're going to lose our rhythm no matter what. No matter what we do, we're going to go a whole week without playing a basketball game. So is it really worth it to keep our rhythm and keep our conditioning? When are we going to lose it anyway? Knowing that we're going to lose it anyway? Mm, yeah. I, you know, and, and that's what makes me think that the guys will be on drastically reduced minutes on Sunday. It was. We'll talk more about this coming up in a little bit. It, it was interesting watching that Clippers-Lakers game. It was interesting. Did you hear Mark Jackson's comments during the broadcast on ESPN? He's like, he said they put up a graphic of the standings, and um, play-by-play guy, I think it was Breen, said, would you want to play the Suns? He goes, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't want anything to do with the Suns in the first no, round. No, no. wouldn't want anything and, to do with them. And you could sit there, and everybody, we had James Jones on yesterday, and oh, guys don't think like that, and they just, you know, the competitors, and they're the best that's ever played the game. And Man, it's in the back of their minds. It's in the back of their minds. You know, you know what the easier path is. You know what the harder path is. Yeah, you you know, you know. Nobody wants to play the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and Mark was even asked the question about like what side of the bracket would you want to be on. And Mark said, "Look, yeah, you don't you don't worry about your path. All right, at least I never worried about the path. I don't worry about who might be in the next round. You just worry about who you get in that first round that you're going to play. And it goes to that end. I would want anybody but the Phoenix Suns. I agree. I, and no disrespect to any of them or all of them." I, would, I wouldn't want the Phoenix. You don't think the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Lakers are thinking the same thing? Yeah. Well, Although they both played last night to win that game. They sure did. At LeBron. And they we'll talk about this in a 
little bit. LeBron was out there till the bitter end. Anthony Davis was out there till the bitter end. Even though they weren't going to win that basketball game, it was very obvious to see. They were still out there on the floor. So um, we'll see. The game tonight starts at 7 o'clock. It's going on at the same time as this one, so we'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Three more regular season games left for the Suns. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. You can always reach us at 620-620. You get a chance. We'll read the best ones on the air. When we come back, he's a legend around these parts. In fact, uh, yep, the ball landed right about there. Luis Gonzalez, D-backs legend, joins us next. Live on the field here at Chase Field on this opening day. D-backs return to the Valley hosting the Dodgers for their first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs home opener coverage with Burns and Gambo live at Chase Field. On the field here at Chase Field for opening day 2023, the 25th anniversary of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball being celebrated with opening day today against the L.A. Dodgers. 7-10 first pitch, and we'll have it all right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Gambo and I lucky enough to be on the field and lucky enough to be joined by Diamondbacks legend, friend of the show. We've known him forever. On this day 25 years ago, he was not a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was a member of the Detroit Tigers for this opening day. Luis Gonzalez joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Gonzo. What happened to Kareem Garcia? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Kareem Garcia sure for Luis Gonzalez. I'm sure he's living a wonderful life And a half million life dollars. Yeah. And money, too? And money. Man. I'm sure he's living a wonderful life somewhere. <laughs> we were talking about this is, you know, me and him are diehard baseball fans. That's our first love is baseball. So being here is just so much different for us. We just love it. So I'm just excited to be here. This is my happy place. I was telling him, I remember because we've been here for every single one except right. the pandemic. Do you remember when Maguire was putting him out of the ballpark yeah. in batting practice? Yep. Yep. What do you remember about that? He actually hit one. The Fries panel, right? Where the Fries panel is. Yeah. It bounced up there. Can you imagine walking down on the street and a ball, and a comes, ball out? comes out? You think somebody threw it out of a car or whatever and it came out of the stadium. I imagine it has a little more velocity on it yeah. than that. Than yeah, no kidding. it out of a car. Wow. Um, yeah, it, this is exciting. And, and I, for you, given your illustrious big league career, I mean, what moments like today? Open, I mean, does it ever... I can't imagine it gets old for no, you, right? Like, no. you still get the juices flowing a little bit? Yeah, it really does. And and for us, uh, the ballpark looks beautiful. We've made a lot of you know changes here. And uh, our team is 3-3 three and three right now, that which is great, considering you know we had to open up against the Dodgers in L.A. and then had to go to San Diego, two of the teams that aren't afraid to spend money. And uh, for us, we feel like we've put together a really good team here that's young, energetic, exciting, and uh, we've seen that already in the first six games. What teams do you remember that you played against? We always talk about the 85 Cardinals, you know, with the speed, with McGee and Ozzie Smith and all the speed that they had, Vince Coleman. What teams do you remember playing against that really put a lot of pressure on defenses with their ability to steal bases, go from first to third, score on a ball in a gap from first base? Well, you mentioned the Cardinals uh, when I was with the Houston Astros coming up. Uh, Craig Biggio, that's one of the reasons he didn't stay as catcher. Oh, we yeah. played the Cardinals, and they were running all day long. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they just put pressure on the teams. And I think that's what uh, our, our front office has really gone out and done here that, that created a really young and exciting team, 
sprinkled in some veteran guys that are good core guys that are going to be great in the clubhouse. They know their role on the team, like Longoria, uh, guys like that. Kyle Lewis, who was a rookie of the year a couple years ago, he's come in already and provided a lot of power, right-handed pop in the lineup. So we've gone on and done some different things. Our bullpen now is a little bit stronger with guys that, with good high velocity. You know, we lost that one game in San Diego late in the game, but that's going to happen. Jamison has looked really good coming out of the bullpen. So uh, it's, I love him. it's going to yeah. be interesting to see. You know, I mean, this guy was a starter, and now we're mixing him in just to keep him up here in the big leagues. So we'll see what happens. Talk about him. Longoria. At the end of you know, at the end of your career, you played for Miami. You played for the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers, you had no more. That was right. some veterans. But Miami was a young team. Right. Do you feel like you know? Do you relate a little bit to Longoria being here with a bunch of young guys and you with Miami at that time? Uh, a little bit. Uh, but this team has a better chance to win. I think over there they just knew they had young players that weren't weren't going to contend. The Mets had a good team in that division and some other you know teams. But uh, over here, this young core of guys is a team that nobody really wants to play because uh, it's a fear of the unknown. You don't know which team you're going to get. Are these guys going to be really dominant and play well? Are they going to be a team that makes some mistakes because they're young? We've got great pitching, you know, starting pitching with you know, with Merrill Kelly and Gallon and those guys at the top of the rotation. These guys are frontline guys, so hopefully you know, with those guys kind of going as the season goes on deeper into games, it shortens up our bullpen and gives guys more chance to go out there and win some games. Luis Gonzalez, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We were talking about this at the beginning of the show. How much work do you think went into with Torrey and his coaching staff really not showing anything during spring training, knowing that the rules changes were going to be so advantageous to this club with the way that it's built, but just making sure that you really didn't show any of that off then because you didn't really want to tip your hand, right? You didn't want to show anybody how you were going to play with the new rules. Yeah, and and this team really... has the opportunity to take advantage of the uh, bases, uh, the the lack of throwing over to first base, and uh, you know we're not we don't have a ton of guys like our old one team or ninety nine to two thousand two or three that every guy coming to the plate has the potential to leave the ballpark for a two or three run homer. We have to win the game in different ways, hustling, running balls out, stealing some bases, creating opportunities when to get the guys in scoring position, whether it's a sack fly or just putting the ball in play and making something happen to get those runs in. Those are things that are going to help us, especially with a young team. And as they get older and bigger and stronger and understand the game more, then they'll become more power hitters and understand more of the game. How would you, the veteran, reacted to these rule changes if you were a player? If they had done this in the middle of your career, how do you react to it? Well, I mean, we're routine guys. Everybody's a routine guy, and you have your... Your, your rituals that you go through, you have to adapt to it. I mean, for a lot of guys, it's a little bit tougher because the guys that played in the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, they really didn't have a lot of time to adapt to it. A lot of these younger players, it's pretty easy for them because they're starting to come up to the big leagues and they've had it in the minors. For like a guy like Longoria and yeah, guys like yeah. that that have been around for a long time, it takes them a little while to get to the plate to get settled in. They're kind of their routine. No more Garcia Parr may not have made it now <laughs> with the batting glove. How many times he was fidgeting with the oh, man. Biggio used to do that too. Biggio did it too, yeah. And, and don't I, forget the human rain delay. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's crazy, but, you know, we've seen it already how, how much nicer the flow of the game is right now. It's like almost 30 minutes shaved off the game. It just keeps people more intrigued and into the game and uh, there's a lot more action going on. We're seeing now without the shift more hits. 
now we really find out how good your second baseman is because now he can't play a little bit further with those left-handed hitters and cheat a little bit in the grass where he could cut those balls off. Now you got to have both heels on the clay, so uh, they have to be a little bit more... Uh, adaptive to who's hitting and are they really pull hitters do we play them more up the middle and things like that so it's really changed the game a lot seems like the older pitchers era's jumped about two runs on guys 36 and older because you got to play at that fast pace right. now so is that could you take advantage of that as a hitter no if you have an older pitcher on the mound if you got a verlander or a Scherz or a, just an older guy that's got to play at a much quicker pace well i i think for those guys, there's not that time to take that deep breath. Like a younger guy, the the like you said, the pace of the game, uh, the recoup time. You know, like guys used to, if they threw a pitch up and in or whatever, they would walk around the mound or take their time. Or if a hitter would do the same thing. And I mean, there's still some little quirks that they gotta, you know iron out. You saw that the other day with Machado getting thrown out of the game yep. because it was coming right up to the eight seconds. He tried to call timeout. Didn't work so they ended up, you know, throwing him out of the game because he argued it, but um, there's still little things, little glitches that they'll, they'll probably figure out here in the next month or so. Uh, you guys had Womack. Yeah. Stole a lot of bases. You're right. You've got Corbin Carroll here. Any comparisons do you see? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm surprised that he's not hitting at the top of the order. I'd love to see him hit leadoff. I don't. I don't yeah, uh, he's yeah. hitting down right now in the order, and I think uh, we agree. By the way, on something, we agree, right? Uh, we agree, no, me and Burns agree. He oh, love to see him as a leadoff hitter. And you agree with him? I know. I, that's a first. Honestly, that's the first of 2023, honestly, right here. The, the sun rose in the west this morning. <laughs> it was a really weird day. Yeah. I, well, I'm with you guys. I'm on the same page. I think this guy, when he gets up to the plate, he's one of your better hitters for one. He's a 22-year-old kid that plays like a 26, 27-year-old mentality-wise, not shape-wise. This guy's in phenomenal shape. He gets around. He does everything well. He works hard. I think if he gets on base, he creates a nuisance for the defense because of all the things he can do. He's a smart base runner. He can hit for power at times like he did. He's already got a home run. He hit one in San Diego. But um, for us, just having him out there and playing the way he does, he's he's not going to complain whether he's hitting first, fifth, sixth. He just wants to play and he wants to win. All right. How old are you now? 55. All right. Can you hit, can you still hit one out? Uh, I just want to know. Can you hit one maybe, out? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. In batting practice, I don't know about a game. I'd have to have... No, no, no. Batting practice. Batting practice. Uh, can you still do it? I, I don't know. I haven't gotten in there and swung a bat so you, in a while. You, you haven't, you, when was the last time you swung a bat here? Here? Here. Shoot, in a long time. Maybe in an uh, alumni game that we had a couple, few years back. All right. All right. I mean, you I don't, have, I don't have the keys to the place where just come over here and I you get did. out there. And, uh, <laughs> you won him a World Series. You should I, have the keys. I'd like to think so, but wait, no, I, no. Wait, I thought I thought the key to the city was like a universal key. It got you into it everywhere. Of, Listen, right? I tried yeah, no. that a year later with my key to get in somewhere, and it didn't work. So that key to the city, <laughs> after 01 was over, that key That's to the city stuff. was uh, right. used for somebody One else. day we'll have to sneak in here after hours and have some batting practice. Oh, that'll work. That would yeah. be a lot of fun. Gonzo, good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. Guys, happy yep, opening absolutely. day, guys. Luis Gonzalez, Diamondbacks legend, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show live from Chase Field. When we come back, there is a new fifth seed in the West. Will they remain the fifth seed in the West? In time to play the Suns a week from now. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.
The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we send it back to the Auction Community Studios where Mitch is standing by. He's got today's Twitter poll question of the day. Happy opening day to you, Mitch. What's up? Happy opening day to y'all as well. Jealous of the, the sight that you get for the next three and a half or so hours. One of my favorite shows of the year. Every time we're down here for opening day, they put us right on the field, right behind the batting cage. It's it's great. It's awesome. We love it. Couldn't ask for anything better. He's got to be careful not to stand on the 2023 opening day sign. Well, they've got, yeah, it's, it's roped off, so uh, proceed at your own risk, Gambo. You might, your credentials. Well, we know Gambo. He loves to take risks. Oh, and he does. He does. I could see him, you know, trying to put a foot over that uh, the barrier there to see if he could get in. Right. All right. What you got for a poll question today, Mitch? Well, it is in the spirit of why you guys are where you are today. It is the home opener for the Diamondbacks hosting the uh, Dodgers, unfortunately. But we're going to predict the outcome, kind of like how we do the Cardinals week by week. We started doing some Suns games. So here are the options that I have for you in predicting tonight's game. The Diamondbacks win by one run. The Diamondbacks win by two to three runs. The Diamondbacks win by four or more runs. Or the other team wins. Put down the Diamondbacks win by two to three runs. All right. For the fun of it, I'm going to go Diamondbacks win by a run. A run? Ooh, one run. Be a fun game? Yes. Be a fun one game. run. All right. Safe situation. Who gets it? Matt Manti. <laughs> <laughs> young, young. Is he walking through that door anytime soon? <laughs> um, that would be... Brad Ziegler. Uh, it, it would be... Um, Andrew Chafin would get the save opportunity tonight. I like Pretty, it. I, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on are there lefties coming up or are there righties coming up. It's not be Dre Jameson. I think that was a kind of a one-off. I think it, it, he'll be in there for multiple inning saves, but I don't think he'll be a closer all the time. All right, what's I'll our go with, I'll go with McGuff. McGuff? It's yeah. a curious case, though. I'm excited to see how it turns out in the end. The leader right now, unfortunately, at 44% is that the Dodgers are going to win tonight's game. I'm afraid that was going to happen. But 29.9%, so not not too far away from first. The Diamondbacks winning by a single run. 19.4% think it's Diamondbacks win by two or three. And then 6.7% have the Diamondbacks winning by four or more. All right. That's the poll question. You can, as always, find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you'll find that on social media. In the meantime, the game that we were all paying attention to last night, given that locally nobody was in action, was that game between the Clippers and and the Los Angeles Lakers. At first, I was shocked by the fact that LeBron and AD played. Because I said yesterday, I told you, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth the risk for the Lakers to play those two guys to try to win the basketball game. They've been injured. They they played the night before. The Clippers were well-rested. So I think it backfired on them. I do think it backfired. They went for it. They lost. If they would have won, maybe they could have said, okay, it was the right thing to do. You had to win that game to make it worth it. They did not win that game. Matter of fact, they were getting blown out before they made a little bit of a run and made it close again. Um, but not winning that, that 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 basketball game last night and playing those guys, you know, that, that that may come back to haunt the Lakers. Perhaps. I mean, I'm sure you saw the comments of Anthony Davis after the game on how he feels physically. Quote, I've been better, but I'll feel fine. Close quote. Uh, you and I both had a story in each other's emails about the, the Lakers and how, you know, one point with like six minutes to go in the game, one-handed dunk by Kawhi and Darvin Ham calls a timeout. It looks like he's going to get his guys out. His guys didn't want to come out. 
And so he let him, even though the game was pretty much in hand and there wasn't really another run in there, he left those guys out to kind of foster that spirit of competitiveness, like, hey, we're not just going to roll over. We've rested plenty the last couple of weeks. Let's go out there and play. I don't know if it's going to come back to haunt them or not. I I don't know if it's going to bite them in the butt. I I know that the Clippers are very firmly now in the driver's seat for number five. It could still be somebody else, but the Clippers are in a really good spot after that win last night. No, there's no doubt. I mean, that's, you know, they, they had built a 24-point lead in that game. You know, LeBron was really struggling at a terrible first half. The legs looked heavy, and AD was really struggling with the rhythm. Even Austin Reeves is dealing with a sore quad. So they had a lot of their key guys, the Lakers did, that were just, you know, not doing very well. And Davis, what, AD had not played in back-to-back games all year, I believe, right? So since was, November, since early November. Since early November. Since so, back when the season started. Yeah, so, but, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a long time. And so they lose the game. They're probably looking at a play-in game now, and I think that they probably played hard because they really want to avoid the play-in game. Because you know, we can talk all you want about you don't want the Phoenix Suns, but if you avoid the play-in game, a lot of injured bodies get five days of rest, right? Yes. So you know that was an angle we haven't discussed yet. But if you've got an injured team like the Lakers and you could avoid the play-in tournament, season's going to end Sunday. You got to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. That could be a big lift for a team. So you may say, hey. I don't want the Suns, but you're not going to get any rest having to play in play in, in the play in where if you got got out of the play in format, you get a lot of rest. I was reading something similar about the Warriors and how their goal in getting number six might be it gives them extra time to get Andrew Wiggins kind of up to speed rather than just throwing him out there, right? Because you get that built in right. rest, and so so now again the Clippers aren't locked into five; they just have a lot of the tiebreakers and they have the advantage, and and they they seem like they're pretty comfortable in that spot. The Lakers and the Warriors right now, the the Warriors are six, the Lakers are seven. Um, those two situations, they they can flip potentially. Basically, what has to happen is the Lakers need to win out, and the Warriors have to lose one of their games. Now, the Warriors, they're done at home. Their last two games are on the road. They've been terrible on the road all year. One of those games is in Sacramento. Tomorrow night, they're taking on the Kings. So the Lakers, if they're trying to thread that needle, as we've been talking about for the last couple of days, to finish six, that's the sweet spot in the West. What the Lakers need to have happen is they need to win out, and that includes their game against the Suns on Friday, and hope that the Warriors lose one of these two games. The Warriors, I'm sure, would love to win both of these games so that they could get the sweet spot in the West. Either way, that sixth seed now really becomes the place you want to be in the Western Conference, very much Look, so. pretty simple. Either the Warriors or the Lakers are going to have to play in the play-in tournament. Yep. One of those teams is going to play in the play-in tournament. Probably not both. But likely one of them. Probably right? not both. Because yeah. if the Clippers are locked in at five or just about locked in, their percentages are through the roof. Somebody's going to get six and the other one's going to be seven. So, and that's, you know, that is the benefit. If you can get the rest and not have to play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even not Saturday, you know, for those teams that have been dealing with a lot of injuries, that could be a big deal. Now, of course, looming in all of this is the Pelicans. They were 19 points down last night. They were able to rally, come back, and win. Herb Jones had a, had a great game last night for them. Um, but as it stands right now, and then the Clippers, if it's going to be them, all right, let's talk about them for a minute. What okay. we saw to them, Kawhi Leonard played the entire second half of the game. Did, Every minute. 
to step off the floor. Um, they were doubling him at almost every turn in the fourth quarter, and because of that, he was able to get guys like Bones Highland involved. He was able to get Norman Powell involved, and they really delivered last night. The, the one thing the Clippers have a lot of is depth, and they really flexed that last night, I thought, that game. Yeah, they did. I mean, what was fascinating to me is that Russell Westbrook sat the final 18 minutes yeah. and 47 seconds, came out of the gate, played pretty well early, um, but you saw a lot of changes in the rotation with you know Zubach and um, the way they used Covington, and Norm Powell was very, very good for them, Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, um, but I was really interested in how Westbrook, because we've talked about Westbrook doesn't really close games for them. He doesn't play a whole lot. He didn't, I mean, 14, final 18 minutes of that basketball game, they were like, okay, you're good. We're not playing anymore. So I, I did find that pretty interesting uh, to see how they used him because I haven't seen it yet this year. You know, I've seen highlights and read stories, but I haven't really seen him and how they used him. But it was fascinating to watch that. Yeah, he was first guy off the bench when Powell stole the ball through that lob to Kawhi, that one-handed jam. They showed it on TV. Westbrook was all fired up for his guys. We'll see. What's what's really... The Suns have a unique perspective in all of this. They play both the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah. We just don't know who from the Suns is going to play in either one of those games. And the Clippers may not want to show any... Like if, if they got a 60... I was looking at it just before. They have a 68% chance or something like that of getting the 5 seed. Now, I'm sure 63% chance of winning the 5th seed according to playoff status. Yeah. So the Lakers can still finish with a top 6 seed, but they don't control their destiny as you just talked about when before. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Arizona Coyotes have responded to the lawsuit by the city of Phoenix by filing their own lawsuit. To discuss their reasoning, President and CEO of the Yotes, Javier Gutierrez, will join us next right here on the Burns and Gambo show.